the diverse melting pot that is the United States of America. Millions of people from different countries and backgrounds with different beliefs and religions can all mix together in the land of opportunity. But what does it really mean to be in this melting pot? Are we all educating ourselves and embracing our neighbor's culture? Or does it mean that immigrants arrive here and their roots and culture dissolve into the majority? Honoring your heritage while in America is a key takeaway in both Everyday Use by Alice Walker and Hell Heaven by Jhumpa Lahiri. These stories show brilliant examples of an underrepresented topic, the effect American education has on younger generations of minority cultures. Everyday Use, written in 1973, tells the story of a family of black women. The narrator has two daughters, Dee and Maggie, and Dee is coming home for the first time since going to college. None of the other women in the family, or really the whole town, pursued any sort of higher education, except for Dee. But upon arriving back home, she had a new name, a new boyfriend, a new attitude, and had isolated herself from the women in her family. She acted almost more holier than thou, in a sense, believing that she knew more about African-American oppression and culture while turning away from her heritage and culture at the same time. In Hell Heaven, we see more mother-daughter conflict, this time in a Bengali family. The family befriends a young man named Pranab, and eventually he becomes part of the family as well. He's a student at MIT, and the mother immediately falls in love with him. That is, until he finds a girlfriend who is white, and they eventually get married not in the traditional Indian fashion. This is devastating to the mother, and at the same time this is happening, her daughter Usha is becoming more and more immersed in white culture, influenced by Pranab and his girlfriend, and by her school, to the point where her relationship with her mother begins to crumble. What we see in these two stories is a mother-daughter divide that derives from a have-and-have-not of American education. For a country founded on the principles of equality and constantly preaching cultural appreciation, it's quite clear this is far from a reality. Historically, we have seen the Trail of Tears, slavery, Jim Crow laws, Executive Order 9066, which is of course the Japanese internment camps. We tend to be killers of culture in a sense. And this obviously still persists today. We see things like police brutality, the American-Mexican wall, Asian discrimination due to COVID-19. But we do like to think we're getting better, and we are in a sense. But the issue is that we're not learning to appreciate different colors and culture. We're learning how to be colorblind. We learn about all these events and periods in school and how we should love and appreciate each other regardless of race, religion, and culture. But this does not mean we should ignore each other's race, religion, and culture. Our education system has this one-size-fits-all kind of ideology that stems from centuries of education and success being a white man's game. There's this mold that we're supposed to fit, an equation for success. And we just get swept up so easily focusing on what everyone else is doing that we all become the same person, essentially. We become more influenced by the kids we're in school with every day than our parents, who raised us and generally know what's best for us. Latinx, African-American, Native American, and Asian children are pressured to blend in, to feel the shame in their origin, the clothes they wear, the food they eat, the people in their families that are inferior and unintelligent because they do not have an American education or a college degree. Education is supposed to bring people together. We're supposed to learn and grow from one another. 
But in families where few people pursue education or in immigrant families, education can tear them apart and cause their children to grow rebellious against their culture. Obviously, after a certain amount of time in any country, you will begin to assimilate to their culture, and there's really nothing wrong with that. The problem is that it shouldn't feel so forced upon us. The problem is that it creates segregation in our own families. The problem is the heartbreak that our parents and families feel watching us grow shameful of our roots. In Hell Heaven, we see both Pranab and Usha becoming increasingly assimilated to the American culture and consequent disdain from the stubborn older generation being Usha's mom and dad. It is very rarely the first generation of immigrants that assimilate upon their arrival because they're already grown, developed, and not as impressionable. However, their children and grandchildren and younger generations will be educated and grow up immersed in white culture and feel the influence of it. While changes are being made, minority representation in pop culture is incredibly slim as well. And as terrible as it sounds, higher education and good public schools in high-income areas are filled with predominantly white students. Pranab, who studies at MIT, a prestigious and predominantly white university founded by white men for white men, can't help but fall into this system. And Usha, who sees this, subconsciously does the same. She follows his lead and I'm sure is also influenced by the kids at her school and what she absorbs through the media. It may seem as though Usha's mother is acting irrationally. She says that Pranab's white girlfriend wears her hair indecently, her hips are too small, and there's spots on her face. She doesn't let Usha stay at their wedding when she's having a good time. Pranab isn't even her son, why is she so invested in his life and so judgmental, you might think. But that's not what it is. It's not just stubbornness and judgment. It's watching her kids, both her biological daughter and non-biological son, outgrow their need for her, outgrow their culture, and feel that pressure to change themselves when she loved them so much as they were. Usha couldn't understand that. She just said that her mother was jealous of Pranab's new girlfriend, and to an extent she was, but it's more than that. Usha told her mother that she hated her and became a high school partier to spite her mother and prove that she didn't care. Really, Usha's mother did love her and care a lot about her, but once Pranab married Deborah, she knew there was nothing she could do. He was gone, and it was only a matter of time before Usha followed him out. Even though there is some redemption at the end of the story, where Pranab makes his way back to his culture and eventually gets divorced to Deborah, that's still a pivotal moment. That scene where um, Usha tells her mom that she hates her. Walker's story, Everyday Use, we see significant similarities as well as differences to Hell Heaven. In Everyday Use, Dee is not necessarily turning her back on her culture. What she thinks she's actually doing is become more connect is becoming more connected and appreciative of her culture. And she says that when she changes her name to Wangaro, I couldn't bear it any longer being named after the people who oppressed me. However, what she is denying, actually, is her ancestry, her family, and actual heritage. 
the name Dee comes from her aunt, her grandmother and great-grandmother, and it's a symbol of her family and her actual heritage. And her mom is quite hurt by the fact that she feels the need to disregard this family name that she had picked out for her. This is just the first sign of this intrafamilial divide, if you will. You can sense the fear and intimidation that Maggie feels toward Dee every time they're together. Dee holds this college education and is consequently superior over her family, so it seems, ripping them in two. She thinks that because she went to college, she has learned more about her culture and heritage, but it has actually had the opposite effect, and instead of charming her mother, it's rather disappointing. Dee belittles Maggie and says that she doesn't deserve the old quilts that Dee had found and that she would put them to everyday use instead of preserving them and hanging them on a wall. But ultimately, this is not what her mother wants. She wants them to be put to everyday use because it more so honors their heritage, their actual purpose, so much more. And it's what their ancestors would have wanted. It's a symbol of their family and how close and warm family is supposed to be. Of course, she's proud of Dee for her education and her embracing her culture, but it's about where you're from. It's about what home means to you. And home shouldn't be some complicated, hyper-analyzed thing. It should just be simple and genuine. Education is a privilege, and it's a wonderful thing. However, it should in no way divide us. It shouldn't force you to change who you are. It shouldn't force you to suppress your culture if you do not want to. It shouldn't give you the power to dominate over those who did not pursue as high of an education as you did. And it shouldn't bring your loved ones heartbreak. We should be allowed to honor our heritage while also learning, growing, and pursuing our own self-interests.